0: of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Place of Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, August the 30th. We got one more day of the month and three more days until Virginia opens up its 128th season of football, Saturday afternoon, 3.30 p.m., ACC Network Extra against the Fighting Tribe of William and Mary. Uh, should be... Um, I, w- I was gonna say a good day for football, but now I think it's supposed to rain or some nonsense, so never mind. But it will be good to have actual football to talk about. We've I feel like I've said that like three different times at different like podcasts lately. But uh, after we did our obviously our preseason prediction podcast last weekend, we're we're in game week now, so we'll we'll talk about the tribe and some of the question marks um, that that the that Jimmy Laycock is still sort of dealing with down in Williamsburg. Um, And we'll also talk about kind of, you know, this is our first chance to really discuss things after, since the depth chart's been out. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. Before we get into this, uh, we got 10 prop, I don't want to call them bets because we're not betting anything, prop choices, prop, uh, propositions. I don't know. 10 things, 10 questions we're going to answer sort of um, in the preseason. And then we're going to kind of do a couple of these uh, each week to sort of, um, you know, do a little little something, you know, um, trendy, so to speak, you know, something we do every, Every week uh, with the show We're going to do that all season Uh, Before we can start any of that we got to talk about who we is Um, We are, wow Brad, that was (laughs) really bad Uh, Out in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show How you doing
1: buddy? I'm doing great Brad, I'd like to thank you for asking
0: You are very welcome Who Dave's on
1: the board at Who Dave's on Twitter
0: And up in Arlington, Stafford, Justin Ferber's Also on the show, how are you my friend?
1: And we lost Justin, did we lose Justin?
0: Where did he go? Did you leave, Justin? Come back, come back.
2: Justin's muted.
0: Yeah, Justin doesn't understand how the mute button works. It's okay. Yeah, give, give the give, tell well, the people that you're happy to be here.
2: Yeah, I mean, you guys missed probably the funniest joke I've ever made on here. So, well,
0: and not I'm not tell telling it out. again. No. Why would Why would you do that?
2: Because I didn't. I didn't. I, I, I loved.
0: It. <laughs> you should have just doubled down on it. Give the people. No, all I out. all
2: I said was it's game week, and I'm really excited. And my and handle then- on Twitter is at Justin underscore Forever. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> and then uh, Cavs Corner is also on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional uh, muted button. Uh, all right, so depth chart comes out. Um, I, I'm I don't want to I, I don't want to some of what we saw in the depth chart. I am curious to get your guys's sort of feedback on the depth chart. I feel like we talked about it a little bit um, offline. I want to I want to pick like. Maybe a couple things that really stood out. The one thing for me was the moving around of the safeties. So Chris Moore no longer at safety now at strong side at same at the same linebacker spot behind Malcolm Cook. Um and Nick Grant no longer at safety now at the boundary corner behind Bryce Hall. So it's one thing to have guys move positions to me. It was another thing to see guys move positions and then be the backups. I was like, whoa. Um I was really expecting to see. Um, I, would, I was much more expecting to see both Jermaine Crowell And uh, Darius Bratton in those spots and, and, and In terms of the backup cornerbacks. And then also, that, then Joey Blunt Who um, I, I genuinely thought would redshirt um, Not to get ourselves into another redshirt kerfuffle um, Mike Moore, circa 2012 What was that day? Was that what it was, Dave? Um, That's a rumor <laughs> Dave got himself in so much trouble It was so great <laughs> Um, but anyway, so he's the backup to to Quinn Blaney, free safety. Which all of those little little movements, I think, tell a little bit of a story. Uh, Dave, let's go to you. What were your your reactions to the depth chart once you once you finally got your eyes on it?
1: Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, I think you kind of hit the ones that surprised you. Like we always get excited about these depth charts. I don't really know what they mean, but um, seeing more at outside linebacker. I mean, I don't think any of us saw that coming. Um, you know, we know we're thin there, uh, and, but you've got some freshmen in, what, Snowden and Brown um, and, you know, Gom and Zandier. There's a lot of a lot of freshman linebackers. I w- seeing more kind of emerge from nowhere to end up as an outside linebacker surprised me. But when you think about the type of player the staff has been recruiting, like, we know they're not four and five stars. Um, we've lamented that in multiple posts over the past year, 18 months. Um but the jumbo athlete, like every player, you know, they recruit these six foot two cornerbacks like Bryce Hall, and um, you know these big dudes. Who I guess it's nice if you know some of them get to school and all of a sudden, you know, they're six two, six three, and they've got a frame that can put on some weight, and they've they've played played defensive backfield, and they kind of in the strength you know in the strength program start to put on some mass, and you think, hey, you know what, we can bulk him up a little bit and not lose his athleticism. Then you get a player like Jordan Mack, who's gone from safety to outside linebacker to middle linebacker. Um, I'm really intrigued. Like, ideally, we don't see what Moore does a whole lot this season, um, but I mean, for him, for me, that was the most interesting thing. Um, they talked about uh, Joey a little bit in the uh, radio show uh, last night um, with Bronco, and they kind of, They called him Mini Quinn. I think is what the nickname was. Um, I guess he's kind of the shadow and. I don't know if you guys watched the show or listened to the show last night, but the interesting, of, interesting little uh, history tidbit. I think Joey's dad, Tony, um, was the last true freshman to start at safety before Quinn. So it's a weird little little truth there. But the way Bronco talked about him and the way Quinn talked about him, I'm guessing he's the heir apparent to that role. So right, it will be interesting to see how they develop as the year goes on.
0: What about uh, Ferber? What about you, man? What were, um, what were, what were some of your? I don't know. I don't want to say immediate takeaways or some of the surprises or whatever um, that you saw from the depth chart.
2: I mean, the first thing that I kind of looked at when the depth chart came out, just to have an idea of you know what how things were shaking out, was just the offensive line because, uh, I mean, w- we wrote about it last week, but even last week, uh, Coach Two J said that. You know, the depth chart there was fluid. He wouldn't name starters. Uh, there's, you know, multiple guys competing at multiple spots. So, I mean, there was a lot up, up in the air. So, I mean, obviously just seeing how that played out was was interesting in itself. Besides that, um, I mean, you guys kind of hit on it a little bit, just the the freshman in the two deep. Um, you have guys, and, and redshirt freshmen too. I mean, you have, what, one redshirt freshman starter, um, at left tackle, which is kind of an important position. Um, and then you have on the two deep, you have Devontae Cross, uh, another redshirt freshman, redshirt freshman in Osiris Crutchfield, redshirt freshman in Ben Knutson, I guess. Um, and, and then you have, yeah, just Knutson. you have Fannin and Glazer on the line and, and Stone, um just on the offensive side of the ball. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I was surprised to see uh, Joey Blunt in the two D, but Jermaine Curwell doesn't surprise me that much. And then you have guys like Elliot Brown and um Christian Baumgartner. I mean, just like a lot of guys that haven't played college football yet. And one of the things I noticed when I was looking at the the depth chart and we kinda I did like a little exercise before it came out on Monday to kinda see how close I could predict it to what it ended up being and you really got a sense for what Bronco means when he says the team doesn't have depth um at certain positions because I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of guys on the roster on scholarship. I mean, they have the same number of scholarship players as they normally have, give or take a few. But um, at cornerback, there's just not a lot of depth there of guys that have played. I mean, Nick Grant's never played. He's second on the depth chart behind Bryce Hall. At the other cornerback, it's Jermaine Crowell, who's never played college football. He's behind Tim Harris, who was hurt last year. Um, And then you have Kirk Garner, who's not on the depth chart. And then after that, it's either guys that haven't played or walk-ons. So I mean that position's thin, and then if you look at outside linebacker, you got Elliott Brown, and um, on the other side, who is it? Uh, Chris Moore. Obviously, you guys hit on that a little bit, and then I know that Charles Snowden has been competing for playing time too. So you know, it's it's guys with potential and athleticism, but not a lot of playable depth, experience wise. And now you kind of understand what Broncos talking about with the depth issues. Yeah, yeah
1: that's one a, thing. Great, Dave. If I could add one thing, I mean, you, you kind of hit on it. It's there's a lot of freshmen and redshirt freshmen in the two deep. And I guess there's some spots on the offense with three, three guys listed. Um, I mean, that's kind of intriguing to me. I mean, obviously it speaks to the lack of depth in like <laughs> the other classes of, around, um, you know, kind of senior heavy with, with a bunch of redshirt freshmen and freshmen behind them. Um, but it's also interesting in the, in the sense that if this team can be good and as fa- as a fan, that's what I'm hoping, um, If Bronco can win, like, you know, we are, this is a recruiting site we're doing this podcast on. If Bronco can win with two and three star recruits and they fit in his system, that's a good thing, I think. Um, And it'd be interesting to see what he does with better recruits. That's, you know, basketball talk. Um, But yeah, it surprised me. And that's one thing I wanted to mention I totally forgot was just the sheer number of redshirt freshmen and freshmen and what it means. Does it mean that the guys that he recruits to his system? Come in and fit better, and he you know, kind of knows how they fit, what he needs, or does it just speak to the complete lack of anything between the seniors and, and those guys? So, I guess the next twelve games will tell.
0: <laughs> well, I think the interesting piece for me too, I picked up on the you know in the in our in the three two one I did the next day, there is a lot of fr. On this, uh, on this, ro- on this, um, too deep. And what I was, I mean, not only was I struck by like some of the movement around of, of guys, but also just the amount of like, like you guys are talking about the, the that, the the first line, so to speak, like the the top line, um, is not that. But it this is the product of change, right? You're not going to have a lot of you know red shirt sophomores. Um, You know, true juniors. A lot of these guys are going to either be guys who were into their careers and didn't want to transfer, guys who were coming in. um, You know, numbers wise, they've just they've had to bring in talent, especially on the offensive line. Um, I mean, think about what it would look like if Montelis and and Pertile hadn't come. I mean, you know. Besides that, I think the other thing that stuck out to me was just sort of. Um, some of maybe what the, the staff is thinking So they moved Juwan Moy to, to end They've moved um, They've got Jordan Ellis listed as not only the backup speed back But also the starter at big back um, I wonder if that means you're going to see a lot of two uh, Two back sets um, Where both guys are essentially speed backs Who can block um, And what does that mean for the offense in general uh, Nobody else listed at DH But, uh, but Olamide, um Devontae Cross and Terrell Jana. As the backups to Andre Lavrone at the X I mean, I, that was a little bit That one caught me a little bit off guard But they've moved uh, Joe Reed and Hasis Dubois um, To both uh, man the Y So that makes, I guess, makes some sense If they're going to be, you know, similar guys inside um, Maybe the staff wants to do a little something different on the edges um, And it's funny because we heard so much about James Trusso I feel like in the last week and a half About how he was working out at defensive end And now he's the backup at nose tackle So who, who can really tell? Um, let's let's shift and talk about William and Mary because we've talked a lot about UVA in the last I don't know eight years of my job there uh, but we've talked a lot about UVA um tonight and the you know the previous few podcasts it's clear to me you know in in terms of of uh, thinking about this game we've we've sort of hit on it um you know in the not too distant past, right the idea that like this game is for all intents and purposes not, a retread of last year, but it might actually fit what everybody thought that was going to be. I mean, look, I'm, I personally, if Virginia comes out and wins a game, I always relish that. Um, as as, as someone who, uh, who's, not only his livelihood but also his sanity depends on a message board sometimes. Um, but we all know that what they did last year, um, against Richmond was 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 pretty deplorable. I mean, it was just it was just bad, and so I think all of us here. Uh, Expect Virginia to be better, and that's going to or expect expect the result at least for the Cavaliers to be better. William and Mary to me is a conundrum inside of an enigma. Um, They don't they don't have a quarterback yet. They do not really have any answers at running back. They're not senior laden sort of the way that uh, Richmond was. I'm not really envying Ferber for having to write this preview tomorrow um mainly because i i'm I'm not really sure like what all you can really talk about other than that they have a lot of questions and that they are going to have to find some answers uh without spoiling it too much justin why don't you give me give me a a taste or, or 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 where your head is in terms of what the what expectations should be um on william and mary on saturday
2: I I will say this. Um, I mean, I understand why fans might be a little trepidatious considering how it went last year and the 2009 game against William & Mary um, and the last meeting against William & Mary in 2015 when it was close. Uh, William & Mary actually driving to win that game at the end, Um, and UVA got the stop and got the win. But, I mean, that's cool if if you're a little hesitant because of that. I, I get it, but there's no reason not to be optimistic about the result. Um, for this one, just based on where the two programs are uh, talent-wise, depth-wise, uh, and, and what they look like at their key positions. William Mary is a well-coached team. Um, Jimmy Laycock's obviously been there for a long time. Uh, he has a cohesive scheme that he runs, and they kind of look pretty similar year-to-year from a schematic standpoint. Um, they haven't had a ton of turnover on their coaching staff, but they are breaking in a first-time uh, offensive coordinator that's pretty young. So that'll be interesting. But honestly, Laycock's a quarterback guy. So, I mean, he obviously has his fingerprints all over the offense. So, um, I mean, for the most part, this isn't the type of team that UVA lost to last year in that Richmond game. Um, William & Mary went 5-6 and six last year, and they're probably going to end up somewhere around there again this year, barring a big surprise one way or the other. Uh, the quarterback position is obviously the position that as you talked about, is is totally in flux right now. Um, I'm assuming that part of it's gamesmanship, You know, like any other quarterback battle, you don't want to tell the other team always who you're going to play. So I'm sure they're narrowing it down. But uh, the interesting thing about this quarterback battle is you have different types of quarterbacks um, competing. So Tommy McKee is the most experienced guy in the system. I mean, he's played behind Steve Cluely, who... Was a good quarterback there. Um, played really well against UVA two years ago. Um, so I mean, he knows the system, but he just hasn't demonstrated it in a game yet. And like uh, like we talked about recently, I mean, he's also their punter. So that's kind of be you know a, a wrinkle. And I would be very surprised if he doesn't if they don't fake a punt at some point. I mean, it just makes too much sense, right? And Wayman Mary's one of the teams that always has like a lot of tricks up their sleeves and and special plays and stuff like that for these types of games. Um, Last year, or yeah, last time they played, you know, you might remember that they onside kicked it to start the second half and got it back, of course, because Mike Lennon's special teams. Um, Other than that, I mean, their starting running back is iffy for the game. He's hurt. um, Still isn't all the way back, so they might have to go with the pretty unproven guy there. They have a really good playmaker on the edge in Devante Dedman, who had two touchdowns uh, in 2015 when they play UVA. So he's a player to watch. Not the biggest guy in the world, but he's fast. He can get the ball and reverses and jets, jet, jet uh, sweeps and screens and all kinds of stuff. So, And he can impact the game in the special teams department um, as a returner. And then their defense is pretty stout up front. They have a lot back on the defensive line um, and some competent linebackers. I think that they're going to try to bottle up the run and make UVA beat them through the air. Uh, Their secondary is led by a good cornerback in Aaron Swinton, who is undersized. And if you look at their depth chart, um, he's undersized, but he's very good. That's what I meant to say. Um, But if you look at their depth chart overall, you see a pretty big size discrepancy, especially in their defensive backfield. So it'll be interesting to see how they match up with UVA's receivers. But all in all, I don't see any reason for UVA fans to... I mean, you can worry if you want, but there's no
1: reason to just expect the worst.
0: Well, I think the, the thing too for me in in sort of tracking this is is looking at um sometimes we as we as people who observe we we get ahead of ourselves, right? And and I and I'm not I'm not thinking um that, you know, we all uh we, we made the twenty seventeen prediction, we just did it in twenty sixteen. I, I think that We all made the mistake of assuming Virginia was much further along than they are. And I feel like a lot of folks are making the mistake now of assuming that Virginia is not as far along as they are. And so we're we're regressing to basically what we saw last, which, listen, anybody who, who wants to doubt UVA... Based on that last season, I get it. Like, I was in Blacksburg. It was rough. It was it was worse than rough. I mean, it was like cinnamon bits in your eyes. It was bad. Um, it was not fun. And I get it that people um, might want to be pessimistic. And they are going to be watching this game, I think, um, you know, with some sense of, you know, like I've said before on the show, like, you know, show, show me, you know, prove it. Um, and so... You know, I was looking at uh, as Justin was kind of describing the different um, aspects of the team. You know, we all are pretty high on UVA to win this game in our in our in our preseason prediction show last week. Um, I had it 41-13, Dave had it forty-two to twenty. Ferber had it thirty-four to thirteen. If those are the kind of if it's a if it's that kind of score, I think all of us will in in some way breathe a sigh of relief, but also too um, feel pretty good. And and I'm 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 just looking at this thing like okay. Let's say Laycock is playing some games and he knows who he wants to start. That dude still has no experience. Okay, he still has no bona fide running game. Uh, he's got one really, you know, one really good option at wide receiver in Dedmon. Uh, he got a pretty good tight end. There are a couple playmakers, but all in all, this is still a team that Virginia should drill. Um, and that's not—I'm not saying that about like every Virginia team. I mean this team. I mean this Virginia has more talent here. Um, Dave, what are what are some of your thoughts? As uh, aside from, uh, I'm sure some hand wringing Although you, I think maybe you were going the opposite way. Maybe you've you've started to drink the Kool Aid a little bit more uh, going into this one than than maybe. Expected.
2: Dave's over like, there watching uh, old games, and it's just it's that time of the yeah, year. Yeah, he's been he's been
1: he's been watching, he's watching BYU games. <laughs> watching anything I can, man. Like I wish our football program was at a point where you could hand wring Like <laughs> they've been so bad lately. You, you you have to, you have to be an optimist or you're like, what the, what the heck do I, what am, what the heck am I doing? You know, it's, um, I mean, as far as it, I, I think you're right. I think people are kind of underselling Virginia a little bit this year, but that's to be expected. I mean, look, if the last, if you haven't looked back past the end of last season and you just remember that tech game, which was, you yeah, know, you're right. I mean, it's like getting poked in the eye all, you know, for four hours. I mean, it was brutal, um. That game was an outlier. Like the rest of the year was pretty competitive, two and non, regardless in the other eleven games. Um, very rarely, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum, trying to find something to talk about for the last few months. But um, yeah, Virginia's not as bad bad as you think they fear they might be. Um, they're probably not as good as I hope they will be. Uh, somewhere in the middle. But you know, as far as William and Mary goes, it, it's a game where you know, <laughs> the fact we lost to Richmond in the first game last year and knowing what I know of Bronco, like the staff isn't taking this game lightly. Um, the players aren't going to take this game lightly. And in most instances, when you see a team lose to an FCS team, it's because they've taken them lightly. Um, no offense to Richmond, Richmond showed up and kicked our butts last year, but I don't think the coaches game plan that game like you would, you know, if it were say UCLA or USC or whoever, um, just a different mentality so it's you know not not to be the uber optimist but you know you're it's almost a blessing for the William Mary game that you lost the Richmond game last year so sure Virginia can lose a game if you you know it, it's a game of football if you turn the ball over more than the opponent does you, you make stupid plays it doesn't take a whole lot to, to beat you um, but talent wise you know Virginia although it lacks what it lacks in depth I think it makes up for in and top-end talent, um, superiority over William & Mary. So, yeah, I, I'm not too worried about Saturday just because of last year. Um, I'm. It feels like every year we talk about this, but you know, the weather could be a factor in, in the way the game plays out. So there are some things that could change um, how the game is actually played versus how it would have been played in perfect weather. But you know, I think Virginia's got enough talent to get it done. Yeah, I mean, Dave, just real
2: quick, just one thing. Um, Dave kind of brought up a good point about how FCS teams win against FBS teams. is usually one of really two things or three things. One is the team is better, but they don't take it seriously, or they just sleepwalk through the game, or it's like a letdown game after, you know, like they're playing an FCS team in week two after they played, let's say Virginia Tech in week one, or, or in Virginia Tech's case, Boise State in week one. Um, so, you know, it's like a preparation uh, mentality thing. The other way is the FCS team is closer in talent to the FBS team than people realize, maybe almost even. They might not have the depth because they don't have as many scholarships, but, like, North Dakota State beating Iowa is like the teams aren't that far apart. Um and Iowa wasn't bad that year, but in North Dakota State beating Kansas, North Dakota State might have more talent than Kansas. So, I mean, there's that kind of way. Those are the two ways that it really happens. What happened to UVA last year was kind of a mix of both. Um, that Richmond team they played was a good team. They were a veteran team, a well-coached team that was primed to make a deep run in the playoffs if their quarterback didn't get hurt. Um, I mean, they were at least as good as the JMU team that won the national championship midway through the season last year. Um and then also UVA probably didn't prepare like they would have for Oregon, let's say, um, just because I think UVA was so focused on what they were doing that they weren't really preparing to play another team. It was all about culture building and you know getting everything right. But I don't think they really focused on Richmond that much.
0: Yeah, that's probably fair to say um all right let's uh let's let's go and and revisit predictions uh we'll we'll do those and then we'll do the the props um all right let's see uh in the preseason dave the preseason which is still now
1: <laughs> last week you, had, you yeah <laughs> you
0: you had this at forty two twenty my guess is you you don't feel too uh excited to change
1: it um what's what say you no i mean there's a part of me i think i mentioned it last week leading up to the richmond game last year. I thought Virginia was just going to open a can on them because they've gone through such hard training. There's a good chance this is the game they opened the can on someone. Um, I don't expect Virginia to call off the dogs in the third quarter if it's a big game. Like, you know, I think Bronco wants to instill some success in these guys. So I was leaning towards changing my pick, even in the, the long one week it's been since the recording. But with the weather, I'm going to hold it. Um, it's probably the only time I hold my prediction all year. Yeah, you do get skittish.
0: Uh, Ferber had it 34-13. What's your your flavor now, buddy?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't really see a reason to predict a change there. Like Dave said, if it it starts raining a lot, which hopefully it doesn't, because doesn't it seem like every year the opener is either going to thunderstorm or it's supposed to thunderstorm or something? I mean, can we just get like a sunny day in the 80s or something once in a while for an opener? Um, Yeah, I mean, like that's the only concern I have about the point totals. I'll put it this way. Um, I have some really good friends who play football there, uh, and they follow the program very closely. They're not far removed from playing there. and They asked me what my prediction was for the score, and I told them 34-13, and they were like, I don't see how William & Mary's is going to score 13 points. And I was like, oh, that's i mean, that's not that many points. <laughs> like, So, I mean, that kind of gives you an idea of what they think of, of what their chances are, but I'm going to stick with 34-13. to I kind of agree with what Dave said. I think there's a chance that it gets a little out of hand. William mary's defense is pretty solid though so i don't really see uva just piling on the points unless they just completely stop their offense um which would be kind of interesting to see because they even in the wins uva had last year they didn't really stymie anyone i mean central michigan put up 35 points on them so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out
0: yeah i would agree with that my i had it at 41 13 and i'm gonna be honest i um I I kind of I agree with Justin's roommates. Like, the more I think about it, I'm like, all right, are they really going to score 13 points? I mean, they're going to score. Are they going to score two, you know, two touchdowns? Um, I, I can see them scoring a little bit here and there, um, you know, field goal or two. Um, but, you know, realistically, I I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if you should predict a team not to score, you know, 10 or 13 points. I just think that's hard to do. I, I put it to you like this: I think I'm right. Uh I feel good about predicting what I'm predicting, but I also will not be surprised at all if Virginia ends up winning this game forty-three to six or something like that. Or forty, you know, forty-four to seven, something like that. Um let's uh let's go to the props. Um so whose idea was this again? Uh, Dave's fur's I'm not really sure. Okay. So basically what we decided to do was to choose some um, you know, kind of um uh, random sorts of questions about the the season And we'll, we'll, we'll do a bunch of them now And then I think week to week we, we're talking about doing a couple um, In specific games um, So they're not they're, They are in some ways props but they're not totally Prop like we're not going to be like how many You know how long is the first game going to be or anything like that um, So we've got 10 of them We're going to go through um, and answer uh, Some of them are, um, are Not necessarily multiple choice But multi-level And <laughs> um, So let's let's start, uh, Dave. We'll go with you first. So the first player to score and how on Saturday?
1: Joe Reed kickoff return. Wow, (laughs) really? Yeah, why not, man? Did you you just threw
0: that out there, huh? Yeah,
1: go big or go home.
0: Okay, I'm gonna go with uh, Jordan Ellis on a on a run, on a TD run. That's uh, I think it's gonna be long drive, and Jordan Ellis takes it in from like seven yards out. I only put that. I only, put, I only wanted to put the seven out there because I know that like if it actually happens, I might I might look like a genius. Um, Ferber, what about you? Who do you think is going to be the first player to score, and and how?
2: I'm sorry, I missed Dave's prediction. What was it?
0: Uh, Dave said Joe Reed. Uh, Joe Reed for a kickoff return.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, to start the game. Yeah. Oh god, preseason yeah. awesome. I didn't is, say start of the game. I here we that. go. <laughs> um, I was gonna I say was Jordan Ellis. I was going to say Jordan Ellis on like a goal line touchdown run. I think that's the odds on favorite, but since Brad I'm going to say 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 Alamaze Alamadez Zacchaeus on a like a slant in the red zone for a touchdown.
0: All right. So Zacchaeus for a TD reception. Okay. Uh Ferber while we got you most rushing yards uh in this season. Who's going to have the uh, Jordan him? Ellis. Right. Ellis? I, I'm not I don't think we should we should guess how many. Uh, Dave, how many? Uh, how many? Who Who's going to lead the team in rushing? Ellis. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to go. Uh, Devontae Cross. No, I'm going to go Ellis. All right, most most receptions. I'll go first on this one. Um, I think it's going to be Donnie Dowling. Uh, Dave, most receptions hmm, this season.
1: That's a tough one. He said, "Hmm." I'm just <laughs> thinking about how this offense is going to be. You know, uh, you went Dowling. I'm gonna. What's I'm funny gonna is, go is that you had this question. This is not like no, it, this wait, is, I, I,
0: Okay, but this is not something I just sprung well, on you. Like, I want
1: to. I don't want to feel like canned. So yeah, I'm thinking. I'm gonna go Zacchaeus.
0: Okay, Justin, uh, most receptions this season.
1: I'm gonna go Zacchaeus as well,
2: and I do not think it's gonna be particularly close.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. All right, most touchdowns this season, non quarterbacks. Um, I'm gonna go with Jordan Ellis,
1: uh, Dave. Hmm. These are so interesting. (laughs) Now, now, I'm going to go Zacchaeus. I think Zacchaeus is going to have a huge year.
0: All right. Uh, Ferber, what about you? Most touchdowns this year from non-quarterbacks?
2: Wow, that's tough. I'm going to say Zacchaeus. Three Zacchaeus in a row.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's see. Uh, A thousand-yard rusher this season, Ferber. If so, who?
2: I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say
1: Jordan Ellis just barely gets over a thousand.
0: Okay, Dave. What about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Ellis probably gets yeah, twelve hundred somewhere in there. I expect a big year from him. Okay, we're gonna score like fifty points a game. I uh, have a lot of a lot of yards to give out.
0: <laughs> That's true. Looking <laughs> at your picks, yeah, they're gonna score points. Uh, you know what's funny is, like, we talked about this um, today, and this was one of the questions out there. But then uh, there was something Broncos said on the on the teleconference today that actually stood out to me. He said something to the, he was asked about. um the offense and since you know they have a returning you know they're, they're basically their best offensive player is probably their quarterback would they just put the game in the hands in his hands even if maybe last year you know some of those mistakes were, were what cost them and also to um you know it's uh you, you're better off to be a little balanced and he said you know they're gonna have to throw it a lot so i'm gonna say no and not because i don't think ellis is gonna have a good season i just don't know if he's gonna get quite to a thousand all right speaking of pass. um Offenses, uh, or the passing portion of the offense, will Kirk Benkirk throw for three thousand yards? Brad says yes. Uh, Ferber, what do you say? Hell
2: yeah, he's going to throw for three thousand yards. Are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> this team's going to be humming. <laughs> Dave, what about yes. you? Yes. Okay. All right. Will Will UVA average more points than the Cavaliers allow? Dave, let's start with you. No, go away for a word. Dave. What, what? What? What do you think? Okay, that was
1: my prop bet too. There. uh I'm gonna say yes, but it's gonna be close, like within a point. Okay.
0: Now, didn't you think? That, but wait a minute! Don't you think they're going to be scoring fifty points a game or yeah, something nonsense?
1: There's going to be a couple of games they might give up hundred. So, <laughs> no. Oh
0: my gosh. Okay. What games are you? What games? What games am I leaving Ferber to run the whole thing by himself? <laughs> All right, Ferber. What do you do? You think will UVA average more points than they allow? No. Wow.
2: And and the reason I say that is because I think a lot of the games that they're going to win. Are going to be lower scoring close games And I think they're going to lose some blowouts gotcha. um, Like that's, Louisville, that's Miami So
0: That's fair Alright, four, four home wins, plus or minus um, Will they get to four home wins um, I'm going to say uh, One, two, three Yes I will say yes, they will get to four home wins uh, Ferber uh, Will they get to four home wins or more
2: uh, yeah, I think I picked them to go four and three at home in the preseason, so okay.
0: Dave, do, will they get to four home wins or more?
1: Right. Yes.
0: Who's going to lead the team in sacks, Dave, and how many is he going to
1: get? I must feel it's too easy. It's got to be Brown, I'm going to go 12. Damn, that's
0: a lot of sacks.
1: Yeah. Okay. But he had a huge election. Uh,
0: Ferber, who's going to lead the team in sacks and, and, and how many?
2: I'm going to say Chris Peace with 10 and a half. Wow.
1: 10 and a half. With the half. He was my wild card. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm going to say Micah Kaiser and I'm going to go 11 and a half. All right. <laughs> now, here we go. Here's the fun one. Ready? And this is the one that I think we all are going to have the same pick on. All right. I want you to guess Lindell Stone's number since it was such a topic of conversation over the last week. Um, I believe that if I'm, if I'm looking at the math correctly and I'm understanding where things are, that the lowest number he can get, if he selects of the numbers available, tomorrow, by the maybe by the time, how, how done would that be by the time if well I don't know that that would generally happen during the morning, okay, he can get thirty six. Am I right? Thirty six is the lowest. Yeah, number Yeah, that available? was
2: Vladimir Paul's number, and he is hurt, so it's open. Is
0: not. Yeah, he isn't. Yeah, he hasn't selected. Okay, so here's my question: Do you feel comfortable saying he's going to get thirty six? Or do you think that somebody is gonna is gonna give him their number? I think it's more mm. likely than not that somebody Spazzi- else gives it to
2: him, and I think if anybody, it's gonna be number eleven. Spas. Yeah,
0: I would think Spaziani makes the most sense. So I'm gonna yes. say I'm gonna say. But why don't we just 11.
2: why for the sake of this? Why don't we just say it's like they're not gonna switch 36. numbers?
0: <laughs> okay, so so in our our choice, the yeah. numbers available. We might – all we right. might not even need now to I put this wrap
2: up with the rest of them. This is just for fun because it'll be dated.
0: Okay. No, whatever. I'm. I'm. We're still. It's still going to be part of this. Uh, part of the thing. Dave, what? Pick, what did you just say a second ago? Ninety what?
1: I'd go ninety eight if he
2: can't get eleven.
0: Okay. What about you, Ferber?
2: I was gonna say ninety eight. I'm gonna say ninety seven.
0: Okay. Here's my thing. <laughs> All right. So I would if I'm him. It's like, one, like a okay. Price Is Right thing. <laughs> yeah, one dollar. Um. One dollar, Bob. Here's my thing. Is like. If I, if you could do it and, and you had to choose a weird number and you knew it was going to be a point of conversation every time you were ever in the game this season, if you're in the game this season, um, I would choose a number that was, um, that was high for obvious purposes. Um, but then again, you know, was not, uh, was not, um, what's the word? Obnoxious. Um. But I wonder if he will do that. So I'm just gonna go with 36. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prices right you guys and go 36. Wait, is 97 retired? Um, I can check for you. Well, if uh, you give me a moment.
2: Yeah, because now okay. I feel like I don't remember anyone ever wearing it. Well, I mean, somebody wore it. Because if it's retired, I like Antonio. You know, Ding-
0: wore it. I feel like Antonio Dingle was number 97. Who was that? I
2: think
1: it was 98. Did you
0: see that? Did you see how I just pulled that? I just pulled Antonio Dingle out of the, out of the ether.
1: I don't remember Antonio Did Justin Dingle. you just ask who Antonio Dingle was?
0: 97 is Gene Edmonds. Uh, he number is retired. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, Hampton, Virginia native, was a halfback on the winning Cavalier teams in 48 and 49, but he was killed in a tragic automobile accident near Scott Stadium in 1949, hours after scoring Virginia's second touchdown in a 28-14 loss to Tulane. His number, 97, was retired as a memorial by Cavalier head coach Art Guay- I just messed his name up, didn't I? And uh, the UVA athletic director at the time, Norton uh, Pritchett. So, yeah, 97 is no longer an option. So, (laughs) 96. All right. Yeah. It was 1949.
2: Well, that is depressing. Uh, I'm going to go 96
1: then. RIP to Gene. I feel like a quarterback wore 98 not too long ago, was it? One of the Michigan guys? Yeah, Devin Gardner.
2: That was like in tribute to somebody, though, like somebody that played a long time ago or something.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to actual football. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys Saturday and and clearly to to get to Scott Stadium, and, and hopefully it won't rain too bad. Um, but I think that's a good place to, to put a pin in it for this week. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show, um, continuing to, uh, to to listen to us dribble on um, and share something remotely close to you know insight uh i want to thank dave and justin for giving of their time as always really appreciate you guys doing the show um and uh signing up for another season um so yeah for david spence for justin ferber and brad franklin publisher dot com. thanks for coming out we'll see you soon